the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, Crosswalk. And of course, those of you who are unfamiliar with that word, well, we call the program Crosswalk because it really is the intersection of Christian faith and Christian living. This is the program where doctrine meets duty and belief meets behavior. This is the program with you in mind, where we try to ask and find answers to the questions that you care the most about. And of course, we've talked about the questions of, um, well, about God, about Jesus, um, about what it means to be human, about why are we even alive and where are we going and what does it all mean? And of course, one of the, um, (laughs) the questions that I get asked a lot about is about anxiety and about worry. And so i um, happy to talk about that subject as well. But if you want to join me, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And of course, the Bible talks about in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, it says, I tell you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And of course, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spend. He gives lots and lots of reasons that it doesn't make sense to worry, but that doesn't always sound helpful. But I'm happy to talk about this a little bit more. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Jody, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Hi. 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 I'm glad you sound really healthy and you're back to normal. <laughs> well, I'm getting close. I, I, uh, I've had a fairly good, every day is a little bit better for me. And so thank yes. you for, for no. Yes. I, uh, I, in my opinion, I think we're all going to get the virus. So it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. <laughs> well, with, like with, I don't know about everybody, but I know I got it. <laughs> and it tried to get me several times, so. Maybe I got immunity built up. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, my, my comment was um, yesterday on Dr. Phil, they had a show on the glossary of transgender and all binary and cisgender and all that. And I thought, well, I'll watch a little bit of it just to see, you know, educate myself here because I'm not really sure what's going on. Well, they had a bearded man or lady with long hair and eye makeup talking, and they that person made it more confusing because they used word salad and... I guess they have cisgender, transgender, and binary. Binary, right? And um, using they for 
a, a singular person. And it just got me so confused. And I thought, I, I just can't comply with this. I'm going to have to be politically incorrect. And and I think they're just trying to make us intolerant if we don't accept it and comply with it. So I don't know. If I have to go in a doctor's office right now and check a box on what I am, I'm not sure what I am <laughs> after that show. It confused me so much. I think it's cisgendered, the one you're born with. Is that the word? Well, uh, the way that certain people use that term is um, I, uh, how do, how can I put it? it it's denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. So when they're using the word cisgender, they 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 mean it by um, are you a person who who by and large believes you're a lady or a girl or a woman or a female. Yes. <laughs> so that's your cisgender. Is it going along with so, their term or is that the medical term? Or No, I think that's the popular term. In other words, uh, so when we use the – in the popular culture, in the popular culture, they use terms like you're – you're assigned female at birth. Uh, you're assigned male as if biology um, is reality. So so I'm one of those people who believes biology is in fact reality. Yes, me too. And, and it made so, it sound tricky. Like if you answer that, you were assuming something. Well, and so, so here – that, yeah, that becomes the point. The point is – no, they'll refer to those people as cisgender. And so what they try to do is to get you to speak the language that they're speaking, because yeah. if you speak the language that they're speaking, then they can control the narrative. Now, part of what I've tried to do in the most gracious way is to remind people about a conversation. You, you know, you've listened to me enough to know that a According to the Bible, when, when God asks Adam to name the animals, he's not doing it just to ha so that Adam will have a job. It, it is because the, the moment that you can name something, you can talk about it. In other words, naming things isn't limited to the animals, but rather it is a human expression whereby we can communicate. So if we ask, and this is why I've, I've constantly said, um, and I and I try to use biblical terms in in order to talk, have a conversation. But what do we do if there are no biblical terms to try to um, to try to help us in the conversation? Now, obviously, we're back to the transgender thing of what of what I was talking about, where I said, you know, well, does the Bible? actually address the issue of transgender? Do, does the Bible seem to indicate that because we live in a fallen world that that the, the revelation, male and female, he created them, is somehow superseded, undermined, or no longer true? And so given enough conditioning, given enough conditioning, I think anyone could be convinced of anything. So, yeah. And let me tell you what I mean by that. 
Imagine you're conditioned in a world where a person says you're a cat. Now, again, that sounds absurd. I know it sounds absurd, but there are people who, and and again, I don't know if it's a joke or if they're just trying to see just how far the popular culture will take this nonsense, but you know, Hey, you know, what's your preferred pronouns and, and how do you identify? And imagine a person says, I identify as a kitty cat. And you go, well, how, how far are we going to take this? I mean, if your perceived reality about yourself is whatever, at what point do you go, no, the answer is no, we're, we're not going to go there. I'm a, I'm a warthog or I'm Batman or just fill in the blank. And so this is part of the challenge. So we, we, you, we use all of these different words. I didn't mean to talk so much, Jody, but. Oh, no, no, you're interesting. <laughs> you're making sense. Yeah, they're trying to, um, like I said, uh, it, was a, it was a tricky show to, to make us comply and get sucked into the language and learn. And I, I said, I don't want to learn this. I just don't. I, if I'm politically incorrect, that's okay. Yeah, see, there's I'm not now. I'm mean about it. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say they. And when Demi Lovato talks and she was saying they and them, I thought, who's she talking about? Once well, I heard her on the show. And, th- and there's more. Herself oh. was who she was talking about. <laughs> I didn't know that. There are upwards of 60 maybe it's 50, gender options. Oh, no, I did not know that. (laughs) There's up to 50 gender options. And at some point, people, again, for them, if you go, no, there's two, XX, XY. Sounds hateful, but I don't think so. (laughs) Again, if you'd like to call, it's 303-873-1935. I know it's so hard to have... This discussion, which seems to have swamped our culture and buried us in this unbelievably difficult but growing divisive subject. And again, is there a difference between sex and gender, biblically speaking? And until the 1950s, the idea of differentiating between sex and gender was a completely foreign idea to the medical community, to the psychological, the mental health community. Again, the number is 303-873-1935. And after all, aside from extremely rare instances, every human being really does have two chromosomes and you are therefore biologically not just at the anatomical level not just at the organ in your organs but at at literally at the microscopic level at the molecular level you are either biologically female or you are biologically male now pointing that out in his sermon John MacArthur was accused by YouTube of hate speech. What could be more unbelievably absurd? It wasn't until the last decade or so that a distinction between sex and gender became popularized in our culture. So popular culture and then postmodern psychology 
has not changed the fact. Now, remember, the, the postmodern psychology entertains the notion, embraces the notion, and then communicates the, the, the notion that what you believe about yourself is the most important thing about you. But no amount of hormone therapy or surgery can change the biological reality. So adding to the confusion is this multiplication of alternate gender options that have appeared over the last several years. And, and like we were talking with Jody, there's upwards of 50 gender options, including but not limited to a gender Androgyny. I'm going starting going doing it in alphabetical order. I'll give you the number again: three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. A gender. Now remember, in the Greek language, a negates, and so just like atheist means no god, a gender means no gender. So apparently, one of the options is genderless, and then so there's androgyny, androgynous. Bi-gender, cisgender, gender fluid, gender non-conforming, gender questioning, gender variant, which is not to be confused with the Omicron variant or the Delta variant when it comes to COVID-19. Gender variant meaning some sort of variant that we haven't quite identified yet. Gender queer, non-binary, pan-gender. Trans-feminine, trans-masculine, transgender, transsexual. So if, if those options aren't enough, surveys have included, well, neither, other, none of the above. So imagine, again, the absurdity of the language where you would write, well, neither, other, none of the above. How come there's not a, a, a category that says all of the above? And like I said, the closest that the Bible comes to mentioning gender dysphoria is in its condemnation of transvesticism in Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, where... Uh, in the law of Moses, it says a woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord, your God. Now, somebody might read that and go, well, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. Look what Deuteronomy is saying. A woman shall not wear a man's garment. Are you saying that a woman can't wear jeans? Are you saying that a man can't wear a kilt? What are you saying? And if you ask and you answer that question in its context, based on what the Bible is saying, it isn't just simply a reference to wardrobe. The point that is being made in Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, is a prohibition or a restriction from a woman representing herself as a man or a man representing himself as a woman. So there seems to be two, two components. The first component is to dress in such a way as to confuse the person who's looking at you as to whether or not you're a man or a woman. 
It's like the old David Bowie song. You've got your mother in a world because she's not sure if you're a boy or a girl. So in this, in Deuteronomy 22.5, it isn't just a prohibition against, quote unquote, men wearing women's clothes or women wearing men's clothes. It's the combination of wearing a garment in such a way as to misrepresent your gender. And by that, I mean maleness or femaleness. Now, it's, there's a mention of certain people in the Bible being born eunuchs, which is a reference to abnormal sexual function. And that's talked about in Matthew chapter 19, verse 12, where Jesus, in, in making reference, he says, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. So what what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about people who have either been born or because of accident or injury— experiencing some sort of sexual, abnormal sexual dysfunction. Or it's consistent declaration of sinfulness and the the, the consistent declaration of, of the sinfulness of homosexuality. In Leviticus 18.22, it says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. Now, that word abomination means something that's repulsive. In other words, this is the strongest Hebrew word that you can use to express revulsion. And so when the Lord says it's an abomination, that's that's what that means. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. In other words, remember that word? It's the strongest word to describe revulsion. And it says, they shall surely be put to death, and their blood is upon them. And of course, in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, Paul says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. It goes on, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And it lists, um, don't be deceived, sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality. So the Bible nowhere mentions a man believing himself to be woman or vice versa. The Bible explicitly and consistently equates gender with biological sex. So biblical speaking, human beings are male or female. And I've said this repeatedly throughout the program. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. The number is 303-873-1935. We're going to shift our conversation here just for a moment. 
Um, again, I want to encourage you to call 303-873-1935. Earlier I was talking about um, the comment by the NBA owner's dismissal of the Uyghur genocide, and I just want to add some, something to that. And um, comments from the NBA part-time owner, Chanath Palipatia, I, I don't know if that's how I'm pronouncing his name correctly, when he said that nobody cares about what's happening with the Uyghurs, it generated controversy, uh, including from U.S. government officials and a media outlet that's been controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. Nuri Turkle, an official with the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, is the latest figure to condemn the recent statements from the NBA owner, a billionaire venture capitalist who has a small stake in the Golden State Warriors NBA franchise. And so the founder and CEO of Social Capital, who is a former executive at Facebook, made the comments on the quote-unquote all-in podcast during a debate with a co-host and tech entrepreneur, a guy named Jason Kalkanis, where where, uh, the, the... NBA owner seemed dismissive over concerns over Chinese treatment of the uh, of the Uyghurs or the Turkic minority, saying that they care about human rights abuses in foreign countries is a luxury belief. And his comment his comment reflected a broader problem: the willingness of executives in business and sports communities to ignore hashtag China human rights abuses in pursuit of money and money-making opportunities. He said this kind of unrepentant and unconscionable behavior should be met with consequences. So Turkle was appointed to his position by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and is the first Uyghur American to receive a political appointment in American history. And the United States State Department and Governments around the world consider China's treatment of Uyghurs and other Turkic Muslim minorities to be a form, if you will, of genocide. China denies any mistreatment is taking place in Tibet or in Xinjiang, which, remember, is the the home province of China's Uyghur population. And so both Palapatia... And the Golden State Warriors issued a statement this week in an effort to sort of walk back some of his remarks. They said, quote, as a limited investor who has no day-to-day operating functioning with the Warriors, Mr. Palapatia does not speak on behalf of our franchise. And his views certainly don't reflect those of the organization, the Warriors said on Monday, though they didn't directly comment on the issue. Also on Monday... Palapatia offered some clarifying comments on Twitter, but stopped short of a full apology. He acknowledged his comments came across as lacking empathy and assured um, that as a refugee who fled his home country, he does believe in human rights and that they matter. But his comments on the podcast had already sparked an outcry from Muslim American groups and Uyghur activists. So, he said um, a guy named Ziba Murat, 
told religious news service as a Uyghur whose mother had been forcibly be detained for over three years, I found Palhi Patia's comments to be utterly repulsive, Ziba Marat told Re Religion News Service. He said, quote, here's someone choosing money over humanity and morality, which is on full display, unquote. Marat is the daughter of imprisoned Uyghur Dr. Gulshan Abbas, again, one of the roughly... One million Muslims China has placed in concentration camps. Chinese officials claim that such efforts are necessary to re-educate Uyghurs and counter extremism. For the NBA, this is only the latest issue involving human rights in China, and has proved costly for the league. Daryl Murray then the general manager of the Houston Rockets tweeted in support of pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong, resulting in a temporary ban on NBA games being broadcast in China. The NBA and some of its stars, in particular Los Angeles Lakers player LeBron James, faced scrutiny for their views and ties to China. And during the same season, fans who attended NBA games were prevented from wearing slogans in support of human rights in China. Last year, NBA player Ennis Cantor Freedom, that's his name, he changed his name to Freedom. Ennis Cantor Freedom, I happen to know he's from Turkey, began a campaign to raise awareness of China's human rights issues, including the treatment of Uyghurs, Tibetans, and political prisoners. And so the campaign has involved social media posts and custom-painted shoes. And so the controversy grows out of this growing concern for many consumers and politicians over Western companies operating in the Xinjiang region of China. Last year, a coalition of Muslim American groups announced a global boycott over plans for a Hilton franchise to build a new hotel on top of a bulldozed mosque. This month, the automotive firm Tesla drew criticism for its decision to open up a showroom in Xinjiang. And more broadly, a wide array of Western companies have been linked to forced Uyghur labor in Xinjiang. So, do people actually care? Well, well, the answer is yes. There's a growing group of people who care and who are going to ask and answer the question, well, you know what? Is this our moment to speak and to talk? 303-873-1935, back to the issue of worry. And of course, um, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. And Jesus, of course, said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, then again in verse 34 in the New Living Translation, it says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It would seem it's the opposite. <laughs> that if worry can do anything, it can abbreviate your life. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. One translation says, sufficient to the day is the evil 
thereof. And so, again, you might right at this very moment be find yourself in a, in a difficult situation, a frustrating situation. You might be really concerned about the future, not just the future on your job or maybe the future in your family or the, the future of your community or the, the future of your country. That worrying seems so normal, so typical, so logical. But you should ask yourself a couple of questions, sensible questions. How has worrying helped me in the past? And how will it help me in the future? And of course, Jesus says, so don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Jesus points out worry is useless, pointless, worthless, useless, pointless, worthless, and, and more so to live in a constant state of angst. It's exhausting. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back taking your calls, answering your questions. 303 873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. There is a, um, a story that's being posted at uh, Christian Headlines about someone who I'm really unfamiliar with. Uh, apparently, this person's name is Fanatic. Uh, apparently, this is a prominent Christian rapper. Now, again, I don't know this person prominent Christian rapper, but he was uh, apparently called fanatic of the cross movement and that he's renounced Christianity. Two-time Grammy award-nominated rapper, his name Brady Fanatic Goodwin, recently publicly renounced Christianity. He said after years of harboring doubts about his faith, Goodwin was one of the so-called co-founders of the influential uh, Christian rap group, The Cross Movement, which collaborated with people like Lecrae, who I have, of course, heard of, and Trip Lee and uh, Tedeschi and Flame and others. On Monday, Goodwin posted a 24-hour video, excuse me, 24-hour, excuse me, 24-minute video on his Facebook page titled Unbecoming a Believer. And on the video, um, Goodwin confirmed rumors that he'd walked away from the faith after spending 30 years traveling the world, preaching to others, preaching what he said he wholeheartedly believed. And according to ChristianLeaders.com, Goodwin, who's authored, authored five books, has a bachelor's degree in biblical and Christian service from Lancaster Bible College, a master's degree from Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. And um, he's also allegedly taught apologetics, biblical studies, cultural engagement at the Philadelphia-based Center for Urban Theological Studies. And he said he began to have doubts about Christianity while he was at Westminster Theological Seminary in 2014, and he clarified that being at the seminary isn't what ultimately led him to renounce his faith. And as part of his studies, which were aimed at equipping Goodwin to tackle the tough questions 
that we face that it caused him to lose his faith. He said, quote, if you remove this Jenga piece from your tower of faith, what happens to it? He said, I turned the lens around. So what happened if someone were to use this theological judo on me and the line of thinking led Goodwin to deconstruct his Christian faith, second guess what he knew and eventually rejoin the group of religious skepticism. He said, I literally told God, if I find one more thing in the scriptures that doesn't have a good explanation without resorting to having to bend over backwards and hop over barrels to explain it, I might lose my faith. In those five or six years since seminary, he says, I wasn't living in the text. All of my presumptions had fallen off. And of course, it begs the question. It begs the question. Why did this happen? How does this happen? What does it mean? He allegedly also wrote to pastors and scholars and theologians, urging them to explain why they believe what they believe, which is, of course, what I've dedicated my life to. And so, again, how do we think about this growing group of people and deconversion. And of course, they call it a number of different things. They've called it apostasy. Um, there's a lot of different things that people call this. So what does all of this mean? What is deconversion? What does that mean? The, it, it's the definition is the loss of one's faith and a return to a previous religion or even non-faith. So in the case of those who deconstruct or deconvert or give up or abandon Christianity, this has all been called deconstructing your faith. So those who deconvert from Christianity reject or begin to reject, or at least publicly acknowledge rejection of what people have called essential Christianity. And the most common reasons for the deconversion are emotional, cognitive, or a combination thereof. In other words, emotionally, people may deconvert because they experience some sort of hurt, pain, challenge from Christians, or they feel like they've been hurt from God, or like this particular person has said, that they don't have a satisfying answer, or an answer that seems to make sense. So cognitively, people may feel that Christianity or the Bible isn't intellectually consistent or intellectually viable, or because they perceive some sort of inconsistency with science, facts, or some moral or truth claim, which causes what psychologists call cognitive dissonance. How can I believe this and yet still believe that? And so knowing these reasons for deconversion can help Christians fortify their own faith or help others who are struggling. And you'll remember in the parable of the sower found in Matthew chapter 13, and in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, Jesus 
outlines the reason why a person may have faith and then later lose it. Some will lack understanding. Others will fall away in the face of trouble or persecution. And the faith of others may be choked out by the cares of life or riches or pleasures. And Christians and churches may combat some of these issues, but churches and believers may submit their actions to Jesus and model themselves after the teachings and practices of the early church as it's laid out in the book of Acts and the, book, and the epistles to bear the image of Jesus, both to one another and to the unbeliever. All Christians, not just pastors and theologians, can educate themselves on difficult scientific, historical, and theological topics. Some of the smartest people, godly people, of course, have they thoroughly and completely investigated the claims of the Bible? Do they have questions, discussions, doubts, or even mistakes? I remember having a conversation with Norm Geisler about these, who has written prolifically on the issue of critical thinking and and critical issues and issues that create problems and generate difficulties. And so it isn't wrong to have questions or doubt or discussions or even make mistakes. Even genuine born-again believers, they're imperfect, they're susceptible to sin, and they're capable of hurting one another. And no matter how well-educated, some of us can still fall short of understanding. In the words of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, it says, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? And of course we know that some people who deconvert become an example of what the Bible calls an apostate people who were never born again. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, John the Apostle writes, he says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they're not one of us. So are there Christians who simply go through a crisis of faith sometimes? Are there unbelievers or make-believers whose identity is fully revealed because they never, ever, ever really experienced forgiveness, grace, and a real relationship with God in Christ? But we'll have more. Enjoy your weekend. If you have the opportunity, go to church. Thanks, Leroy. This is Gino Juracy. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.